You're not giving me easy questions, man. I thought we're going to start with some casual conversations about, you know, marketing and what B2B says. <laughs> nope, I'm age, jumping in. We're going for it. <laughs> You're going for it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of B2B SaaS Marketing Snacks. I'm your host slash introduction giver, Richard. I work on the product team here at Columbia alongside Mike. And today's episode is going to be a continuation of episode 24, where we talked about pricing and packaging. So we're just continuing that conversation. Uh, feel free to listen to episode 24 if you haven't already, uh, but also feel free to stick around even if you haven't. Um, this is a great episode on its own. Um, today's episode is actually in the true spirit of the podcast when it started, that meaning that it's snack-sized. Uh, this episode is only going to be about 11 minutes, so that should be great. Um but without further ado, today we're talking about freemium versus try-buy and what they are really and, and how to use them, how they're different. Um, and then we're going to be talking about how to actually come up with a price for your SaaS offering. So how to get to that first number. And then lastly, we're going to be talking about price raises. So how do you do? How do you deal with incremental price raises? Should you raise your prices? Why should you raise your prices and when? Um, and I'll give you a hint, you definitely should be raising your prices, and it's it's a good thing to do. Um, so without further ado, I'll hand it off to Mike and Stein, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, so so earlier you, you mentioned both freemium and, and try-buy. What are the, the differences between those two? Yeah, that's a really... I only found this myself years into doing SaaS marketing. I was often putting those on the same heap, and they're fundamentally different if you really get behind what they are supposed to do. A freemium premium model works really well if you have an established category where the, the market has kind of commoditized partly and there are multiple solutions that can do the same things and you need, but you want those users, you want those customers because you don't want them to start using a competitor product. And that's where a freemium product is a fantastic way to do so. You have to be, of course, be very careful that that freemium service is not very expensive for you to deliver because you don't want to be uh, um, make a big loss on that. But what you want to do is get those customers who otherwise maybe would try um, a product from a competitor. And then you now have them you know, on your service and you can try to upsell them to your premium plan, which of course has to add, has to create and generate a lot of unique value that maybe not be, it's not available from your competition so that's freemium premium try buy is very different in the sense that you when you do try buy you don't want them to experience the product that is not your best but you want them to start in your hero package sure and to get the full value as soon as possible as soon as possible and especially when you're in a a market where you're creating the market, you're creating the category, you're trying to prove that this is an important solution for them. You want that to be a great experience, including all the value. And then, of course, the trial period has to match the time it takes for them to actually experience that value. Because mm -hmm. you don't want that trial to take too long. It's typically onboarding plus value sort of realization. And then the trial has to turn into an, a very concerted effort to have them pay because they have now experienced so much value they don't want you to take this solution away and that could be 30 days could be three days trial it could be you know 
couple months if, if needed, depending on the type of product. And with freemium premium, we don't really do that. With freemium premium, you're actually okay with some of these customers that keep using your freemium product for a long time. There might be other ways you're monetizing that. You might be you know, selling the data that you get from your freemium users. Or use that to improve your products, right? There might be other ways to monetize that, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not the same as a try-buy where you really want to sell the premium product right away. So how how do you how do you land on the first version of your actual pricing? So when you think of the the pricing tiers, you know, let's say the basic version is ten dollars per month, the premium is thirty dollars per month, and the the pro is fifty dollars per month. How do you actually get to those? those numbers how do you put a an amount on each one of those yeah it's really important to go through a real mvp stage with your product a minimum viable product and when you do so you have very intimate contact with the people who are using the solution that you've created and you really want to understand what amount of value gets created and what they're willing to pay for that and that really requires you to actually ask you know what would you be what is this worth for you and once you've done that and you get the product market fit, then you start tweaking that, of course, based on real experiments. But I think it's really important to further just ask. How, how would you go about raising the price after you've, let's say you've gotten to product market fit and now you're kind of trying to you know, increase the average revenue per unit? There's probably going to be some friction when, with existing customers when you do decide to, to raise prices. Do you have any, any thoughts on how you can navigate that scenario? Yeah, Mike, I think you should always have a, a, a constant evaluation of can I raise my prices? Can I get away with that? Because you're constantly improving your product. The essence of being a SaaS is that you, will, you have the obligation to your customers to constantly create more value, right? And that's partly because they're going to pay you again in the future. But you're typically also allowed to, to ask them to pay more, partly also because of inflation. So what? how do you do that? I think that what's really important is when you raise prices that you provide choice, or at least the perception of choice. So you can say, hey, we're going to raise the price, and you do it in a way that is predictable. Mm-hmm. You do it in a way that you give some advance notice. And then you allow your customers, for example, to lock in the current price if they don't want the price for multiple years, maybe even, but then of course they have to commit. They have to commit for the current, and that, that provides a little bit of choice, right? They can choose either to to commit now and, 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 and lock in that price or to pay more in the future. I think it's really important to um, make the, make it almost feel like a benefit for them as existing customers that they're able to lock in the price versus new customers who have to pay that new higher price. But a 3 to 5% price increase yearly is, is very normal. Uh, I've seen companies also bake that in their contracts, like this is automatically happening. Mm-hmm. Escalator. Just like with storage units. Yeah. <laughs> There's many other examples out there. Um, and then people will have to, you know, your customers will have to determine whether the friction of switching to something else or maybe canceling and then with, with maybe the chance they have to come back later is worth it. And usually 5 to 10% price raises are, are far easier than people think they are. Of course, when you have to execute them well, the good communication, um, 
don't don't be sorry for basic raising prices, right? It's it's pretty normal. It's just basic economics. Uh, but have good good communication. Make sure that your partners, your customers, know first uh, before you know your your sales team uh, starts just you know <laughs> charging them more. Um, that they have a good advance notice. Yeah. It's also important, I think, that your customer success team is always managing client relationships so that when there's a price increase, it's not the only thing they hear from you, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but in the end, it's also not very different from the rent that gets raised automatically almost for some people, right? And that's not a, it's not a big deal. It's not fun, mm-hmm. but people understand it. Well, at the end of the day, the idea is to make it so that people are getting so much value from the product that when you do say, hey, we're raising prices, they say, yep, that makes sense, actually. And that's not a big deal. Like I think back to recently, last month or the month before, Figma changed their entire pricing model. Like they changed their pricing unit, actually, which meant that it it kind of um, hamstrung a lot of the people who were using the the free product um and even then now you know we have to pay a lot more to use it it still is like it's a little bit of a pain but at the same time the product is so good i wouldn't even consider looking at a different one because we get so much value from it like it's so much better than everything out there that like they could keep increasing prices and i would say let's keep paying for it because it's worth it yeah so and back to those when you communicate that the customer has the feeling that they have choices there are many things you can provide of value in exchange for the price going up there are many things you can you can provide when you raise your prices that allow them to give you something else so that the price may not go up but they give you something else of value that 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 replaces that if they want to do some prepay, uh, another form of a commitment. If they want to maybe um, go from monthly payments to quarterly payments, which reduces the amount of time or cost of, of invoicing. Um, is there a liability or another part of the terms of service that you can lower, where you can lower your exposure of risk in exchange for maybe the price not going up. There are other things you can do to make a customer feel that they have a choice. And I think that in the end is the most important part is you make them feel empowered that they're behind the decision and including also they can leave you, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that often, by the way, doesn't happen as much as people are afraid it does. Um, yeah, but yeah, the bottom line, Mike, you should on a regular basis consider raising your prices as a sales How often? If you haven't done it for a while, then do it now. Uh, Otherwise, do it every year at least. Okay. Good stuff.